0: right, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Philippians once again. And uh, we have been through the book to get the big picture. Now we're going back and just picking up some of the special passages. We have Let This Mind Be In You, The Mind of Christ. Last week, uh, we just simply asked the question, uh, Does well, actually, last week Brother Albert preached, but the week before that was... uh, Does your salvation work? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then this one is, do you know Jesus? And uh, let's go to Philippians chapter 3, and we'll look at verse 10 primarily, and then pick up the context here. That I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable unto his death. Paul starts out saying that I may know him. And certainly, if I were to ask everyone that is here tonight, yeah, if you could know Jesus better than you do now. How many would say, yes, I, I want to. Uh, that, that's me. I want to know Jesus better than I do now and uh, for for lack of a better illustration the the uh, uh, the illustration of Christ's love for his church is, is that of the husband and, and the wife. And I'm often reminded as uh, I just sit and, and think on things like this uh, on our wedding day. Uh, I've told this story many times. Uh, Brother Phil Clayton was there, and we were talking. He says, he says, I know you love her, but wait until 10 years. Well, we have an ongoing relationship. till so 10 years later, which is now 19 years ago, uh, I got it right, didn't I? Yes. And uh, I, I met Phil and I said, we've been married 10 years now. And uh, I'll tell you what, you're exactly right. He said, wait till it's 20. You see, there's supposed to be a process of growing closer. Amen. Uh, one preacher put it this way. He said, if you're if you can look back on your relationship with Christ and find a time when you were closer to him than you are now, you are backslidden. Uh, you are in a spiritual position that you ought not be. Uh, that does not mean that Every day is uh, a little closer, and every day is wonderful. We know there are trials. We know there are difficulties that we face in life. But how many of you can think of someone that you've had contact with for years? Maybe it's the fellow at the reception desk at the office building you go into, or Uh, Somebody that you see on the subway every day as you go to work, but you don't even know their name. The guy behind the counter or the lady behind the counter at the bagel stand or the teller at the uh, uh, bank or something like that. I remember uh, we used to do all of our banking at a certain bank and one of the ladies there Oh, she Show me a family picture. I want to see an updated picture. And I'm sitting there showing her the picture of the kids and the grandkids and all that down through the years. And I'm sitting there. Oh, I know who she is, but I don't even know her name. How many of you can you think of somebody like that? You don't want to find yourself in that kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? This is what Paul's talking about here. Paul was not working on his salvation. He knew he was saved. He had a relationship with Jesus. He had served the Lord all his life. But here is what he said. The goal in verse 10. The the purpose of being saved is so that I can know... The Lord Jesus Christ. So I can know Him. One of the things about having a friend and having a relationship with another person, uh, we live in a virtual world, do we not? And, you know, there are people that are pleasantly pleased to have virtual relationships. That's why dogs and cats are so popular in New York. You know what? You can tell your dog anything, and that little critter's just going to look at you and smile, and, and be whatever it's supposed to be. Uh, your cat's going to come up and be friendly to you, and rub against your legs, and, and and do all those things that cats are supposed to do, and purr loud for you. And you say, oh, my, my cat loves me, my dog loves me, and we have a... I, I think Peter, people have a relationship with animals like that because sometimes it's too painful to try to have relationships with other human beings. It's an escape. Now, you can have a relationship with Siri. She will talk to you, and if you don't want a woman's voice on your phone, you can have a man's voice talk to you. And uh, who, what is the uh, Android one, Alexa? And now they've come up with some other one out there. And and uh, uh, you know, uh, order me a pizza, and it happens. And they take the money out of your off your credit card, and you just walk in and pick it up, and, and you can. Thank you, my best friend, for helping me out. I would hope and I would pray that every one of us here would desire more of a relationship than that. There's got to be back and forth. Amen? There's got to be communication going both ways. And here's what Paul says. He says, that I may know Him. And this is our theme verse, one of our theme verses for this year. That I may know Him and what? And the power of His resurrection. But it goes on. And the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable. Unto his death. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you want something good to think about, take a few moments and think about the power of his resurrection. I love the details that are included in the Bible story how that the chief priest and the scribes realized that Jesus had made certain claims that he would not remain in the grave. It was not in their best interest that Jesus would perform such a miracle and come out of the grave. Are we all together on this? I mean, this would prove that the priest, the temple worship. And all of those things were now part of the past, and that Jesus is the true messenger and the true message from God. And in fact, Jesus said that. He said, "I'm going to give you the sign of the prophet Jonas," and and they understood this, and so they went and they got a Roman seal. How many of you remember this? Uh, are familiar with? the history of the Jewish people. Does the name Masada, how many people would say, I know the story of Masada? Would you just raise a hand here? I see one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, about third of the people here. So we're not going to take time to tell the whole story, but you, uh, if, if you want a good story from history, you, you, you read that. It was a, a tragic story. But when the Roman armies sacked the city of Jerusalem and literally fulfilled the prophecy of Jesus by laying the stones level with the ground as they scraped the gold that had melted and ran between the stones of the temple, Uh, they, they literally razed the city. A group of Jewish people had escaped, and they went to the old fortress that Herod had built down in the Sinai Peninsula there. The name of it was Masada. It took legions and years to finally breach the defenses of Masada. And when the Roman army finally... What they did was they went out and they found Jewish people and they made slaves out of them and they built a ramp up the side of the mountain using Jewish labor because they knew that the Jewish people inside the fortress there would not kill their own people. The day the breach was made in the walls, every man went to his family. And when the Romans came in, they found out the only thing they had conquered was corpses. Every one of them to the last had chosen death rather than capture by the Romans. And the Jewish people, even this day, when you're sworn in to the Israeli army, they take you up there and that's where you take your oath. They're, they're very serious about this thing. And yet I want you to understand that there were just a few hundred Jewish people on top of a mountain in the middle of the desert. They couldn't hurt anybody. They couldn't hurt anything. But they stood in defiance to the power of Rome. Rome did not control what went on in that fortress. And so the emperor, at his personal command, sent the legions to besiege this fortress and take it, and nothing would be settled for other than complete and total victory. That's who the Romans were. And so the chief priest felt pretty confident when they put that Roman seal of course that all hadn't happened yet, but they knew the power of Rome. And when that Roman seal was stamped on the tomb and the Roman guard was posted there we've settled this thing. Till Sunday morning when there was a knock at the door. And who was it? It was the Roman guard. Here's their story. This guy floated down out of the sky, he was glowing. He picked up the stone that was on the tomb. By the way, that stone they tell us weighed over five thousand pounds. And they, he picked that stone up, and the Bible says he rolled it away. And the the emphasis on that is like you would do to an old tire or or a, a garbage can that's in your way. You just kick it out of the way or pick it up and roll it. That how many of you like to meet somebody who can pick up a five thousand pound stone and roll it away. I mean, you'd do exactly what the Roman guard did, wouldn't you? If you were smart, you'd play dead. Can I challenge you? That is the least of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hello? Are we together? That was the, the least part of it was defying the power of Rome. How many people have said they're going to defy death? Houdini, his remains are still in the Greenwood Cemetery, right over here in Brooklyn, just across the line. He said, if it's possible, I will contact you from the dead. He didn't do it. How many remember the story of Mary Baker, Eddie... Actually, there's a Patterson and a Glover and about four other names in there. She's married about eight times. She is the founder of the Christian science. Now, that's not a Christian scientist like um, uh, Henry Morris who wrote the book on creation. He is a Christian who's a scientist. These are the people who Uh, have the Christian science reading room, the Christian science monitor. Uh, They don't believe in anything. And and she actually, when she died, she had a telephone, a live telephone wire, uh, a telephone connected to a wire, put in her coffin. The coffin was sealed and the line was buried. And there was a telephone line that came out of the ground at her grave and was actually uh, connected to a telephone pole and the, uh, for years and years the church kept that line live so that Mary Baker whatever last name she chose to use that day could call back from the dead if she chose to. I think they kept the line going for like 25 years. Uh, they wanted to give her every opportunity. You know what? There was never any Outgoing call from the casket on that line. How many of you are surprised by that fact? Uh, Nobody here, amen? But Jesus opened the tomb and came out alive. We could spend the whole night on the power of his resurrection, could we not? The greatest enemy you face is death. Why are we so often when a loved one passes away, especially someone who's saved? We're just like grieving with no hope when we have the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Paul said, I want to know him. And the power of His resurrection. And then the next part is something that most people are a little bit afraid of. The fellowship of His sufferings. The fellowship of His sufferings. Jesus suffered in this life. Have you ever just sat down and thought about all the suffering that Jesus had to put up with? How many times did he tell his disciples, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I suffer with you? I mean, is anyone, uh, just stop and think, if you have something that you do really well, have you ever tried to teach someone else that skill? That's a definition of patience. Now, isn't it? And we stop and we think of all the things that Jesus put up with. He left heaven's glory. Do you know, Jesus never ceased being God. Because if he had, then God would have an end and God has no end. Everything in heaven is about the praise and the worship of God. And Jesus had to stand there and let men he created curse him, accuse him of being from the devil, saying the things he did were from the spirit of Satan, from Beelzebub, the god of the flies. Actually, the god of the maggots, if you really understood the insult they were trying to put at Jesus. When he was in the garden, he just spoke one word. I am. And they all fell down on their faces in front of him. Peter got out a sword to protect Jesus. You remember that? I I love Peter, don't you? You just got to love him. One angel. 185,000 of Syrians in one night. Read the story in... In the book of Chronicles and Kings, Jesus said, I could call legions of angels. Read Second Peter. One of these days, Jesus is just going to take his hand off. And the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. There's not going to be anything left for the cosmic janitor to even put in his ash can. It's all going to be gone. And yet, he chose to suffer and to live for us. He says, and Paul says, listen, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, that was part of what, of the reasoning behind or the, Purpose in God coming to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 and said, Take Isaac up to Mount Moriah and offer him. He was, God was trying to explain to his friend what he was going to do to obtain our salvation. That's why Abraham was called the friend of God. You know, some of us are so afraid of adversity or something going wrong that the first time that something just is a little bit out of sorts it's oh my god god why are you doing this to me because he wants to give you an opportunity Paul says I want to know him I want to know the power of his resurrection I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings because this is what Jesus' life was about amen hello And then there's one more thing here. It says, being made conformable unto his death. There is an overriding theme. All the way through the Bible, from the beginning to end. God told Adam and Eve, In the day that ye eat thereof, what's going to happen? Thou shalt surely die. And I heard someone saying, you know, well, they really didn't die. Yes, they did. They died spiritually. Right there. Right then. The image in which they were created was forever marred and could only be rectified through the power of God. Amen? And from that point on, the theme of the Bible became the death of self that I might have, the life that God wants to give living in me. We have the little babies in the nursery. No matter what toys, and we've, we've experimented over the years and we've gotten different things, and it doesn't matter what you put in there, what you don't. If you put empty cardboard boxes in there, they'd fight over it. mine! 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 Why? Because they're in the image of Adam, that's why. Oftentimes when uh, two adult people, especially in a marriage, are having conflict, one of the best uh, counsel uh, that, that I can give them is somebody has to be the adult. Someone has to choose that I'm going to give up my way so that, I can go forward and make this thing right. And sometimes it takes years. Sometimes because of human nature, it's never right. But we get back there to the fellowship of his sufferings. Why did Jesus suffer so? So he could reach us. Amen? Would you like to know Jesus better? It's the power of His resurrection. It's the fellowship of His sufferings. And it's being made conformable. Did Jesus die because He wanted to? No, the Bible says He endured the cross despising the shame. If you want to know what Jesus thought of what He would endure on the cross, read the accounts In the Gospels of the three hours in the Garden of Gethsemane, in agony and praying to the Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He wanted us to see that the cross was abhorrent to Him. This was the eternal God of gods taking upon Him the penalty and the punishment for all of our sins so that we could be set free. Can you say amen to that? You know what he wants me to do? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your what? Bodies, right? A living sacrifice. You know, the world's full of people who are willing to be dead sacrifices. They're going to go make their... 30 seconds splat on the pages of history and then kill themselves. Jesus wants you to be a living sacrifice because He's the God of life, not the God of death. Amen? He wants us to be made conformable to His death in seeking the end of myself and my design and my desires. So that my life force will be expended at His direction. Why is that so difficult for some people? To just say yes to Jesus and no to self. You know why? Because self is strong. There is no man that's ever hated himself. You can sit there and tell me you hate yourself all you want, but you're lying right through your teeth. Because we all like ourselves very much. In fact, one of the reasons we tell other people we hate ourselves, so they'll feel sorry for us, and that makes us feel better sometimes. And if that's the only way you can feel better, please see me after church. We'll, we'll try to help you through this thing. That That is such a sad way to live. But... That's the way the world lives now, isn't it? So many people choose that. Here's what Paul says. He said, I want to know Him. I don't want to just know Jesus' name. I I don't want to just be saved. I don't want to get to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I want to know Him. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I want to have fellowship in and with His sufferings. I want to be made conformable unto his death because in that process I'm going to know Jesus in ways that could I could not know him any other way. You know, they say, and I, I pray this never happens to my wife, but they say as couples grow old together, they begin to look like each other. And every once in a while, you'll you'll see this cute little couple go and you say, Now, is that brother and sister or husband and wife? How many of you have ever seen that? They've spent so much time caring about each other that they've literally physically morphed. And, and you pray for my wife that that never happens. Amen. Uh, that'd be a terrible thing for her. But the simple truth of the matter is, What kind of knowledge of Jesus are you going to be satisfied with? You just want to be one of those everyday Christians, or do you really want to know him? Now actually, this is the introduction to the message, and we're running out of time. so let's let's see if we can hurry up and I can get you out of here before ten o'clock. All right. Now, look at verse seven. It says, "But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss." These are the prerequisites. This is how Paul got to the point of knowing who Jesus was. First, he counted what was gain, loss. Now Paul had a lot to uh, 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 when he was Saul of Tarsus, he was greatly accredited in his education. He said, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. He was King Saul's cousin. And literally by marriage, I think that's once removed, he was related to King David. Now, wasn't he? As, King, as Saul's daughter married David. And, and so Saul could make all kinds of claims to his Jewishness. But that's not all. He was a Pharisee. He had huge portions of the Bible memorized. When it came to doing and being a Jew, he was persecuting the church. He was doing something about it. You read the book of Acts. Paul believed in door-to-door visitation. He hailed them, men and women, and committed them to prison. I can't imagine what kind of fiend would knock at the door while you were away working and greet your wife in the name with a christian greeting and when she returned it throw her in prison that was the kind of guy paul was he said i had every attainment that a man could have he said but i counted them loss for christ you know jesus is not interested in what you can do for him what was that famous quote? Don't ask what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Well, actually, you ought to ask that concerning your country, but when it comes to Jesus, you can't do anything for him. In fact, you've got to get rid of the bucket load of trophies and things that you have earned. This, Paul said, I count it but loss. How many of you have ever had to count a loss in your checkbook? Uh, that means you have a negative balance at the end of the month. that That's a scary place to be now, isn't it? Well, that's what Paul did. He said, listen, I put everything on the scale. I accounted it and found out it was worthless. Everything i given my life to. I mean, we don't have time to chase this, but... Why do people have a midlife crisis? Because they don't have old church buildings in Brooklyn to fix and keep them busy. So they have, no, Uh, just a little joke there. Uh, Why do people have a midlife crisis? It's because they wake up one day and realize they've wasted the best part of their life. And they can't get it back. And so they go out and they buy a sports car. Not smart. How many of you have seen some old geezer in a sports car pretending he was cool? I mean, we've all seen that, haven't I don't know about you, but that just makes me want to go, Oh, I'm glad. Get a life. Amen? Make your life count. But the only way you can make it count is by counting everything you can do Loss. And Paul goes on. You see, you cannot know Jesus and yourself at the same time. What does the world say? Know thyself. Well, if you're going to get to know yourself, please, go somewhere else. Don't stay around here. Because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? you got to forget about yourself. By the way, why would you like to know yourself when you could get to know Jesus? Hello? Wait a minute. Does that make any sense? And yet people are so attached to that reflection in the mirror. How many of you remember the mirror I used? Uh, sunglasses from the 70's you know that was the big joke you were so vain you turned the mirrors inside so you could look at yourself as you walk and uh, I mean there are people out there Paul says listen yea doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of of Christ Jesus my Lord now look at this next phrase here in verse 8 for whom I have suffered the loss of all things I put in your notes, this is not a melodramatic statement. Paul was not using theatrics here. He'd been four years in the Roman prison. What hadn't Paul lost at this point? I mean, he told the Philippians... That the only way that he lived was the offerings the churches sent him as he was in prison there. And he said, I know how to uh I know how to be abased, I know how to do without, and I know how to abound. He said, I know how to live on what God supplies, and sometimes that wasn't very much. Read the story of Epaphroditus. Nearly worked himself to death. Worked himself to him a point of physical infirmity just trying to earn enough money to meet the needs that Paul had you got to love a man like that but you also got to know that's not the answer God's answer for his people is that more churches would have done like the Philippian church did doesn't always work that way and that's where God's grace is sufficient to supply our needs amen even when we don't have what we need. God will take care of us. But there were there was no valuation here. There there was no Paul saying, "Yeah, I had a great business. I I was making money hand over fist. I had everything, and I gave it up so I could become a Christian." You know, sometimes we we preachers do a disservice. I remember hearing one preacher, he said, Well, if I weren't a preacher, he said, about the only thing I can do is call pigs. And he did an excellent illustration of, I won't make those noises, I don't do very good at it. But that, so we, and you, I mean, if you do that right, I mean, it carries for huge distances and... But how would you have liked to have been in that congregation and a preacher telling you the only thing he could have done if he didn't become a preacher was call pigs? What would that be saying about the congregation? Am I the only one that thinks that way? We better be careful. God has given us a purpose and a place and an organization. All of these things He's done for us so that we can assemble in His name and get to know Jesus a little better. But it takes getting rid of yourself. There is nothing you could give up or suffer the loss of that would be worth anything to knowing Jesus a little better. That's what Paul's saying here. You see, he said, to be found in him. Not, verse 9, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. Last year we spent the whole year on faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the just shall live by faith. His faith in the book of Habakkuk. It's got to be personal. It's got to be yours. You know what? If you would like to know Jesus better, everybody said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? The only way you can know him any better is through faith. It, it is a faith relationship. You know what Jesus does when you trust Him as your Savior when you got saved? He takes a robe of His righteousness and He covers your sinfulness with that. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, most of us don't know what it means, have never, and praise God have never experienced what it is to be so poor that you don't even have right kind of clothes to wear. And then somehow someone gives you a gift of a beautiful dress for graduation or wedding or something like that. Something you could never afford on your own. And I'll tell you, it it does something to you when you're in a position where... You don't have the ability. I remember one time Brother Thompson said came out, I was working something. He said, Come on, Pete, you're going with me. He said, Get get on some dress clothes. Get out of those mechanic clothes. I said, What what's going on? He says, I'm buying you a suit. Now come on, we got a hospital visit and then we go to the store. I'll tell you what. That was that is special time. My preacher bought me a suit. And it was a nice one, too. You know what? Jesus takes His righteousness and He puts it on us. That's the only way you can get close enough to Jesus to talk to Him. Hello? Hello? Why do we shed that garment of His righteousness so easily to pursue things that we think are important? If you want to know Jesus, you've got to be dressed in His righteousness. And then you begin to understand the power of His resurrection. You see, you can only understand the power of His resurrection through faith. Amen? Amen? God will give you the grace to endure suffering if you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That you could share some of the life experiences of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you would tread that sacred ground To where you count the loss of everything that you know and possess, everything you ever hoped for. Worthless refuge. That you could talk to Jesus. That you could hear Him talk to you. That you could have that fellowship, that you could know Him. That's what Paul's talking about in this verse. I don't know about you, but I want that. How about you? I want to know Him. I want to walk through this life under the direction of my Savior. How many people would say, Amen, Pastor? that That's what I want. Well, there's some prerequisites. We went through them kind of quick, but read them. They're not complicated. Get rid of everything. If all you had was Jesus, there's no wealth that this world offers that would even compare to it now, would there? That's what Paul was telling the Philippians. He said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. If that mind is in you, then your salvation ought to work. It ought to do something. But Jesus didn't save me so I have a ticket to get into heaven. He saved me so I could know the power of His resurrection. So I could share the fellowship of his sufferings. I could be his friend. He's my big brother. I never had a big brother. I was always the big brother. But let me tell you. That he could dress me in his righteousness. So I could come to the death and the end of myself and embrace my Savior. To the point that when the world looks at me, they don't see me anymore. They see Jesus. Isn't that what the Christian life is all about? How well do you know Him? Let's pray. We'll just have the piano play here in a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, and Lord, this truth is so amazing, so incredible, so beyond our our ability to truly comprehend and understand. Lord, I ask the Holy Spirit would have freedom to minister this message to our hearts. And Lord, that every one of us here tonight that is saved would take that challenge to know Him. to want to know Him more and more. And if there be someone that has yet to sort out the issue of salvation in their life, that tonight would be the night that they would willingly come and surrender their life to the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, and trust only in Him to forgive their sins. Lord, we ask that You would do Your work, that You may be glorified, In the lives that we live, help us, Lord. Before we finish that prayer, if you'd like to add some of your own, the altar's open. Just slip out of your seat. Spend a few moments tonight before we go home.